Williams. Hello and welcome to the Go for Bronze podcast. I am Joel Torres and I was just not playing my PS back phone. And as always with me is my co-host, Mark Ace Acevedo. The one who is enabling that poor behavior. I got him that backbone for his <laughs> birthday. Happy birthday to Joel. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Last week. Big 2-6. I'm, I'm an old dying man. I can legally... I, there's nothing you can do new at 26, no, right? Everything ends after right, 21. It's know. just 21 and then you go to the next stage that's of, of note is retirement and then death if you make it there. I was going to say I was gonna say 30, but... No, no, no. It's 21 and then job? retirement. 30 is a lot of fun. The, all of the 30s are like a lot I feel like 30 is fun. Yeah, I mm-hmm. feel like the 30th birthday is a special thing. 30, 30 is fun. Dude, 27 is kind of cool. Now as I'm getting reason. closer to it, it's going to be it's a special thing to so, make. So you know? at this point, it's it's whatever random number like pleases you the most. Kind of like in that movie, Ooh. or not that movie, the, the show, uh, Apple show where they forget when they go downstairs. Severance. Oh, Severance. Right? Severance. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's whatever number kind of pleases you the most. Like, I always liked uh, odd numbers. So, 27, though, that was a banger year. So, it was 23. 33 <laughs> was pretty decent. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are more milestones, but you get to pick them. I feel like you're right. Uh, I feel like odd, well, odd years are better. Advice. I mean, for me. No, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, and I feel like for me, 23 was really good. 25 has been good so far. 21, of course, but mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like all the odd ones, I, I can think of things that were actually good in those years. Exactly. One, you made it through one year. That's odd. You know? Now, the they problem is, right there. If, if you start going back on your even years to uh you know to start seeing if anything went wrong on those years well we can you wind up just thinking about all the bad stuff in your life and that's very sad well, so i mean let's see if we're talking about <laughs> even years right when i was four 9 11 happened okay that's probably <laughs> enough well, that, well, that's all we need that was four we're done. yeah what were you gonna yeah, say yeah, i was four, four well, too we that's four, the right? even year that's what i'm saying we, we were four okay yeah it's an even year not a good not year. a good year not a good year. And the year I was born, technically, you know, is, is zero odd or even who knows. That's when a uh, Biggie and Tupac died. I think I was 19 when that happened, I guess. Jesus Christ. So it's a good year for you. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> odd year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we are we are actually a PlayStation podcast, and uh, we're not a hip hop history podcast. But um, before we hop into the games, what we've been playing, and all that good stuff, uh, Mark, have you solved your internet issues? Are you no longer dropping out of the PlayStation parties? Okay, so this is a small segue to a minor story that I kind of just wanted to cut up here because a little back story for me is, as the squad knows. My internet is good, but in PlayStation parties, I always hop out. When I don't, you know, expect it, it's like I don't drop out of the games that we're playing, but I just drop out of the PlayStation party and only for a second. And they always like to clown on me and say that my internet's shit. And like, I feel the same way, but they increase the price every year. And there's nothing that I've figured out to make it better. (laughs) But despite all that, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we have news now this week that PlayStation is testing out Discord voice chat on their PS5 with beta users at the moment. So 
A new PS5 system software beta has added Discord voice chat and VRR support for 1440p displays, among several other things. It's available for beta users in the US, Canada, Japan, UK, Germany, and France. The main feature is adding Discord support so you can party chat cross-platform. Here's the weird thing. You have to link your Discord account and your PSN, but if you want to be in a call, you have to start it on the Discord mobile app and then transfer it to your system. Yeah. That sounds about that sounds about right for PlayStation. <laughs> There's no way that this is going to be that simple and smooth, but I mean, at least it's a solution. Hopefully, we won't get dropped out of the Discord. So, at least they provided a solution. That's what I'm saying because my internet is not bad enough that it drops me from the games, and you can tell by the pitch of my voice that I'm trying Maximum to defend myself detected. here. But it's just the yeah, it's from the, it's from the PlayStation your, the Party. Defense. So if we if I can figure the PlayStation Party out, I think that would be. That would be really helpful. But then, even then, if that was a fix, I'd be a burden because then I'd have to have everyone get on the Discord app and transfer it over to the console. So you're right. Sony needs to get that shit figured out. I don't think that I'm a Sony beta user. Are you guys beta users? I'm a Sony alpha user. Uh, I'm about to say, we both, all of us going to say everybody on this uh, chat right now is a beta user, but you, now you still stood out as the alpha. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm the alpha user. <laughs> yeah, your internet doesn't work. You're too alpha. You got to become a beta, man, and just let Discord control you. All right, well, let's uh, let's hear about you. What is what is this thing you got here? You need to get a skin graft done. So, I mean, technically, but not like a very. I need like, context because it immediately sounds gross. It does. I mean, it is gross. It's that. Part, I don't know. You you decide if what you're thinking now, normal skin graft, if that's grosser or what I'm about to tell you. So, I went to the periodontist which is a fancy uh, dentist that insurances don't cover or like they cover like a majority of it, but it's not like a regular dentist where I don't pay nothing. I had to pay something and then that was whatever. But yeah, they're a specialist. They specialize in your gum health and stuff like that. Um, I was recommended for my last uh, dental cleaning that I should see a periodontist that I have receding gums. And I, and I noticed it one time when I was brushing my teeth and I was like, that shit's like receiving a little too much more than like my. I feel like I'm on the bad track with my gums with specific teeth, not my whole mouth. And I was confirmed when I went to this appointment. Majority of my teeth solid. Gums are pretty solid. Same shit. You, I, everybody's always hears every time you go to the dentist, you need to fucking floss more. And it's like, all right, fuck you. And then, um, but I need to get a gum graft on four teeth. And what that means is that they, cut off the roof of my uh from the roof of my mouth and graft it on to my gums to give to give my uh to get my gum lines back to like how they normally should be and uh he said it's gonna feel like a burning sensation on the on the roof of my mouth and then they just like you know chop off a little piece graft it on to your thing it's probably gonna smell gross now i was just talking it out it's probably gonna smell really gross yeah it but, sounds pretty pretty yeah, gross that's what I, so is that grosser or is a regular no, skin graft grosser? Because his mouth stuff's kind of gross. I'd say it's about the same level. It, so, it sounds a little gross. <laughs> I uh, I know what you're talking about with the receding gums. I think for for me, the one thing that they told me that I've stopped doing now is, I guess, I would rest my teeth like clenched on each other, and it would like push my teeth in such a way that if I kept doing that, then it would recede my gums so i stopped doing that and it hasn't been an issue okay but 
Yeah, I mean, that's a little gross. That's not like super gross what you said. I mean, Godspeed. I hope it's not. Yeah. I hope it's not a burning sensation like you burnt the shit out of your mouth because that's annoying. So if that's what it's going to feel like afterwards, no, that's what he said. Okay. He said it's going to feel like a like when you eat like a really hot piece of pizza. Yeah, that or something fucking like sucks. That get a roof burn. But yeah, you so got to do it. Do it for, for your health, days. right? And I do have to do it for my health, but it had a pretty pricey price tag right, associated with so my course. doctor visit. Fucking the my regular visit was like a hundred bucks, um, but then for the surgery and all that shit, they said it's gonna be coming out to like twelve hundred, a little over twelve hundred dollars, and I was like, God damn. I to just let this shit fall out of my mouth. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm waiting for dentures. About. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, I was like, shit. I don't think I. I don't. I don't know if that's happening anytime soon. But I mean, but yeah. So that's that's what I did today. I went to the periodontist. That was fun. Got to play hooky from work a little bit. Did but, you bring um, your backbone? Is there anything else, Mark? I did not bring my backbone. What I what I've been doing, and I'm going to talk about it in the what we've been playing section. If you want to just like we're we'll transition right into that now. I was talking about the first, one of the things I've been playing, and it's a uh, Sly Cooper on the Vita. That's what I've been playing on my lunch breaks, and it's been a really great time. Fucking love Sly Cooper, my favorite out of the PlayStation Two platformers. Um, and it has trophies, so that's nice. And Sly Cooper is a pr- relatively easy platinum. You just kind of have to collect all the clues on each level, and I've just been having a great time. I think it has brilliant writing. It's way than the other two i feel like and then also i feel like it's really it's disguised as a kid's game but it has really like a lot of adult themes and like inside jokes i always thought that the writing is one of the most underrated things in sly cooper i feel like it has like a lot of adult themes and like little side jokes like all great like even like pixar movies i think are really good at this so that's what i've been playing i've been playing some other things mark but i'll I'll toss it back to you what else have you been getting into this week so you've been just question you you were playing that on your vita not the backbone i was playing that on my vita not the backbone because i've already platinumed it on i don't can you stream like playstation plus from remote play or is that too is that like too many levels of streaming no i'm sure you can anything you can do on your ps5 i'm sure you can do okay so, um, but uh, no, I've been playing it on my on my uh, Vita because I got all the trophies on PS3. And that's so the only you're trying to double up. Way to play. I mean, it's okay to double up. It's okay to double up, but it's okay to double up. But let's make sure we say why. I'm I'm, I'm just playing a great game for my childhood. But you're doubling up, which is okay. Support. Just say yes. It's all right to double up. I haven't played them anything. Nothing's but when been you done. do. I'm just playing it for fun. All right, so he's doubling up, which is okay. It's okay to double up here as long as we're honest about it. I've been playing... Um, I am honest. Now you are. I'm just saying I am honest. I'm playing it. I'm earning them honest, honestly and not uploading old saves or some shit like that. Yeah, that's true, but I've never done that either. I'm not saying you did. I'm just saying I'm not doing it. Why gotta be so... I'm just saying it to the I'm world. Just Even making the audience. Sure some of them audiences here. might be some snitches out the there. The audience for is the one that will decide how how to feel about all this. We can all come right. bitch about it, but they decide. That's true, but you're trying to add up two accounts, so I wonder how they feel about that. I mean, that's fine. That is totally fair. Nah, that's okay. It's just because you can't catch up on the one. That's why. It's okay. It wasn't it's that fraud with the other account. So the, I mean, it's fraud. There's no fraud. There's no fraud with your first account? <laughs> yeah, there's not. Because I don't count the one that was fraud. 
Yeah, but there's one sign of fraud, then it's all fraud. Nah, you know it's what I'm not. saying? It's not. It's like anyway, a horse. The leg's look, broken, you gotta put the whole thing down. Look, you're just telling yourself that so you can feel okay. <laughs> anyway, in terms of what I've been playing, right? Callisto Protocol, <laughs> they put in the patch that supposedly fixed the trophy. I'm here to report that it didn't. And their fix was just that now there's a new game plus, so you gotta replay it. I did replay it, beat it, got that. So that's platinum number 88. I enjoyed it on this playthrough, although it was like really ridiculously easy because the game is just not made for a new game. Plus, like you're, it's clearly not made for having your upgrades or an assault rifle at the beginning of the game. So that was a super breeze. Um, I had a good time with that. And then I'm playing Elden Ring. Um, a lot of it, enjoying it, getting frustrated, but not too frustrated with it. And I'm a couple hours into that trying to get to Godric because it's one of the trophies that or one of the campaigns. And so with that, one of the PlayStation Stars campaigns, they put one of the hard games for the month for February with Sifu. So I didn't have to do anything for that. Oh, really? Yeah. So my mine was just like Ooh. an auto pops. So that was good. Might be um, some good motivation for me to finally play it. But yeah, Elden Ring is fantastic. I mean, I'm enjoying it a ton. I, I would say every t- every time I play a Souls game, I always like them a little bit more, and I notice that I'm a little bit better at them. And so I, I think that of, of all of them, I definitely think this is my favorite one. And so, yeah, I'm just having a really good time with it. I don't have to do that much just to get that campaign complete, but even when I beat that campaign, I might just keep playing it anyway. Ooh. Okay. And just just a heads up, because I know that you're interested in doing that Stars campaign too. I'm five hours in, and I haven't even finished like the first boss that I need to get to. So, you know, it's obviously yeah. like the time dependence is really just how easy Skill. you. Yeah, exactly. It's just how easy you want the fight to be for yourself. Because if you're the goat, you can go in level one and kill margit no problem or play longer go get some loot level up do all that other bullshit so it's really just yeah the time is just skill dependent okay i mean yeah i'm definitely um i want to try that but honestly the seafood one sounds more feasible for me and also more general interest for me as well because seafood seems like a more like you know a game more my style at least narratively yeah and it's a fantastic game and it's it's only the first boss they're only asking you to beat the first boss, which oh, is no problem okay. at all. That's, yeah, that's nothing crazy. I can definitely do that. Um, but yeah, that's all you've been playing. You finally got caught up on The Last of Us, I saw. So what are your overall opinions of the show? Yeah, yeah overall opinions of the show. Just I liked, I mean, all thumbs up, but I liked the first episode a lot. I thought the second episode was like good, but not great. And then I thought the third episode was fantastic. So I'm enjoying the show a lot. I'm okay. I'm not okay. I would say like I'm totally fine with most of the changes, but episode two just struck me a little weird. It didn't feel. It, I don't know. It, it it felt like a little unnatural. Like they're, like Joel said it good before we started recording that it feels like they're adapting a game the most in that one because they're just hitting locations that you've seen in the game, but it feels a little odd because they're not really using the same exact like narrative to get them to motivate them to get through the city. So you're kind of just giving us these locations, which feels a little odd. And then, um, you know, there's, there's some changes to the way that the infected kind of act and I'm mixed on it. I'm okay with it, but it, I feels weird. 
And then another thing I was saying is that they have like their kind of first combat encounter with clickers. And I've never had this experience where I was watching something and I was like, I would do better in that situation because I'm thinking about <laughs> how many times I've played that level and seeing them, you know, like fumble around and get close to to getting attacked and that kind of stuff. It, it was weird. I was like almost frustrated. I was like, just throw a fucking bottle and run out of the room. What are you doing? Yeah. And also, I thought as soon as Joel got grabbed by the clicker, I'm like, he should be iced. Yeah, you'd be iced. Game. It was, was like way too long to you be get t- yeah, being held by the clicker. Completely agree. I was like, you get grabbed, you're com- you're instantly dead. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I, was, I felt the same way. Yeah, I was like such a big nerd watching that with Pam and I leaned over like, if this was the game, you would have got fucking killed. It's I was like, so yo, <laughs> he had an assault rifle and he couldn't take care of two? Yeah, come on. Step your guess, game up, Pedro. Yeah, I guess they're trying to say maybe that's him at the beginning of the game, so he doesn't have those skills yet, but he should, so so I don't know about that. But the third episode I did think was was extremely like fantastic. I thought that was my favorite episode so far. I thought Nick Offerman yeah. did a fantastic job, and so did uh Frank. Yeah, I love Frank. He's from what I know him from is White Lotus, who plays Armand, uh like the head of the hotel. And he's he was fantastic in that. He was fantastic in this episode three. The only thing that I am slightly a little concerned about is that I've heard from people or not like heard online chatter, not like in my personal life. Um, people that have seen the whole show that had the pre-screening. So that way they can write the review that episode three is the best episode. Okay. Which makes sense because it's a contained story and it kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's a really good episode of TV. I was going to, uh, yes, that is true. That is definitely true. I would say also the performances are just so strong that mm-hmm. that it's so entertaining to watch one thing i will say that it's i mean still for me it's this is not about like looks or anything like that uh, up to the end of episode three i'm still not really buying ellie that much i'm i, I am I, oh sorry go ahead you go you go my bad you go you go you i was go. just gonna say that I, I really like you know pedro pascal as joel and he's a very you know reserved and shut off like closed off joel at the moment but that also is how he is kind of in the way the game goes and he opens up more as the game goes on ellie doesn't really change like that but for some reason yeah bella as ellie i'm just not buying that much i don't really know what it is it's not bad it's just it feels a little forced you know what i feel like a what i was gonna say earlier was that i felt like her british accent was kind of coming out a little bit or like her like her voice like i feel like in this episode there was like i can't point out specific lines but there's definitely like a few takes where it's like hmm that sounded a little off like it sounded like somebody trying to put on an accent as opposed to being like the pure character but what i feel about this ellie is that this ellie has a lot of like part two energy as opposed to like part one energy like she's the ellie in the show like a little more like like not evil but like she like when she saw joel beat the shit out of that guy in the first episode she like liked that she kept on asking about that like when ellie asked joel about killing the clickers in the first game was more like like they were people like that's like fucked up like almost kind of like almost defending it in a way and then the scene that we have in the cumberlands like uh in the basement i was like that's also kind of like i don't know it seems like out of character. I feel like like the Ellie I know from part one would immediately call out to Joel. Well, don't for... I, I mean, I can definitely dreams. see what you're saying, but don't forget that when they were in the hotel, Ellie did actually ask him, how did he feel about killing them knowing they were people? So she did actually still ask those questions. 
emotional. What I'm saying is, in the game, it like kind of was conveyed as like more like she was. She's almost more like defending the infected, as in the as in this one. She's asking like from like a psychopathic part, like how did it feel? They're like, did it feel good or something? Yeah, it's kind of more the energy I got in the show. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. But I mean, I still don't think it's a like a. I don't think it's a bad performance, but I believe I understand what you're saying. Where it's like, it's like hmm. it's just the one I don't buy that much. If that makes sense. So, so like so far, yeah. The only two that I've noticed that because you know you can almost kind of tell it's a, it, it gets you, it breaks the immersion a little bit. The only two people for me that's been like that is honestly Ellie, and then when Marlene was on screen, we're the only two. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying that. I think Ellie and Marlene are the same. I'm just saying those are the two characters where when on screen, I like kind of got up from my couch in a sense and was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a show adaptation. But anytime it's any of the other characters, I'm just like fully into it, fully immersed, not thinking about that, if that, you know, if that makes sense. So, I mean, I'm interested to see where the show goes. Although I will say, yeah, at the moment, me not really loving Ellie has me tempering my expectations because she is going to be like the biggest source of content in the rest of the episodes and and the series season yeah, two and all Joel, that like it's yeah, gonna Joel's, be it's gonna yeah sorry yeah joel play, plays a backseat in part two like Ellie's the main character you play as and the story's kind of told to her and i think even with like the part one remake we're kind of we learned that like they, like the story's told through Ellie's eyes, not really Joel's eyes. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's gonna. I feel like it can get better. It can grow on me. There are scenes though where it does very much feel like Ellie. Like uh, I think of specifically in episode two with the chicken sandwich scene where she has her nice chicken sandwich and they're eating like fucking beef jerky. That interaction with Tess and Joel felt very Ellie-ish, Ellie ish, Ellie like. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just like be a smart ass. But I don't know. I yeah. I guess we'll have to see more of it. But I don't know what it is. But something doesn't land. Yeah, for me, it it, it seems one dimensional. I think that's what it is. Is at the moment it just seems very be a smart ass and kind of reject what Joel and Tess say and try to get a gun and like that's your whole character at the moment. Yeah, I guess we need her to like soften up, and I, and obviously that's coming up in the next episode. Zemmet. Her and Pedro, like, or her and Joel, like, like you know, being more connected and intimate and sharing, like, about their past and stuff like that. Yeah. So hopefully that comes out. Yeah, hopefully. I will say, yeah, at the moment, I'll just close, close out my thoughts by saying I'm enjoying it. I think that right now I'm taking it episode by episode and, I, and I'm enjoying it, but I don't think... At the moment, I even am... Like, if it wasn't an adaptation of the game, I wouldn't view the the overall as being that interesting because it they're kind of just like piecing different things together to get them to the next point of where they would be in the game and mm-hmm. i kind of noticed that like even if I, I i guess it's hard to remove myself because i've played the game but i feel like even if i didn't play the game i'd be like okay i guess they're just gonna go there now because this thing happened that specific way but yeah, they have to hit those certain locations, so I don't really think about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's doing the best it can with the material, but um, the changes, I, like like Neil Druckmann said, they're just they're better than the game, you know. So 
<laughs> that's all that matters yeah uh, uh, yeah i don't know i mean for episode three i would say like sure for episode two i i, don't, I would not agree but that's also just personal yeah. opinion definitely and then just to wrap up what else i have been playing i did platinum cult of the lamb number 68 for me love it buy it it's a cheap game it's fucking fantastic first roguelite i first roguelike i'd be and first roguelike i platinum so congratulations to me congratulations to you on a happy 68 <laughs> every time we get a platinum right. it's a good feeling yeah i'm trying to get that callisto one i'm about i'm like a little bit i'm probably maybe like two three hours away from finishing that new game plus on maximum security I'll but s- oh go ahead you go you go I was just going to say, you mentioning the cheapness of Cult of the Lamb, I just want to also shout out that there's a new sale on the store, and there's a lot of stuff on there I'm interested in. I did see a few things flagged on my wish list, so I got to peruse, and I got a little bit of like that PSM cash. So, definitely got to look out for that, but um, enough about what we've been playing. Let's dive into the topics at hand. All right, yeah, so we'll start off strong with what you heard at the top of the hour here with the PlayStation Plus games for February 2023. These are going to be the essential games. They have not yet released the games that are going to be on the extra or premium tier, so we'll make sure to relay that as those get announced. So Sony announced the essential games for the month, and they will be available starting on February 7th. It's Ali Ali World, Mafia Definitive Edition, Evil Dead the Game, Destiny 2 Beyond Light. I'm going to go quickly back to Evil Dead and just mention for anyone interested, in addition to them adding it this month, Evil Dead has an update for Splatter Royale. So I guess it's a Battle Royale 40 player mode, which I platinumed Evil Dead and I loved it. And I don't really see how they could do a mode like that, but it's kind of interesting. And so that's available just as an update. So I will definitely be checking that out because I wanted to check out all the season pass content anyway. But all of these games are... Uh, cross-generation you can get them for your ps4 or ps5 the only exception being mafia definitive edition is just a ps4 skew do you have any interest in playing any of these joel uh ollie ollie world i, I love the first two ollie ollies so I'll, I'll definitely dive into that um evil dead if the battle royale thing's cool that'd be fun to dive into and try out um destiny 2 beyond the light I got excited because I thought that might be what I needed for that campaign, but they want me to buy something, actually, because I have to pre-order Lightfall. So, not as interested in that, but you know, possibly. I mean, no. Destiny 2 is definitely not a possibly because there's a lot of shit that I want to play that's coming out new this month, and I want to play Dead Space Remake. So, Destiny 2 is definitely not going to be played. Ollie Ollie World, I will try. Uh, Mafia, I already played and beat that. And then Evil Dead, if you're down to try it and we hear good things about the battle royale mode, then I would be interested in trying that out. But it'd probably be like single player anyway. So I do want to just say that for Destiny 2 Beyond Light, you're technically you're technically not wrong by saying that there was a campaign for it. So I opened it up now and it's not still there. There is a campaign to pre-order Lightfall, but there was also a campaign that said to play the plus game Destiny 2 beyond light but it expired because it was only for a day but it was before the game was even available because it was this week so it expired and it already disappeared from the app so i just want to say that you are right and don't feel crazy because i saw that too and there was a beyond light one and there was a lightfall one Damn! But how are you gonna do it if that's just dirty like that? What the fuck? That's what I'm saying. But I mean, I was, and we were hyping up PlayStation Stars too with all these fucking kids. No, but it is good. They have done a fantastic job. Yeah, this month has been. 
They added yeah. so many campaigns, and I, the more they add, the better. I love them. Yeah, but that that was fucked up. I didn't. I, so I wasn't going crazy, but that is fucked. Then I, I wonder if it was a cool collectible. Probably not even worth it. Though. No, no, I don't Probably think no. there was a collectible. I think it was just like some points, but. It, oh, then fuck that. I don't care about that. Yeah. So, but if you want to talk about Plus doing something else that's fucked up, so uh, the Plus collection, the PlayStation 5 Plus collection will be removed in May. So, for those of you who got a PS5 at launch, it came with a collection of games that you could basically download. It's kind of like the greatest hits of the PlayStation 4 generation with some first party titles and some third party titles. And so it's still available at the moment, but it will be removed on May 9th. So you can go in and redeem the titles just like how you would with Essential Games, and they'll be in your library as long as you're a PlayStation Plus member. And so the games that are included are Bloodborne, Days Gone, Detroit Become Human, God of War, Infamous Second Son, Ratchet & Clank, The Last Guardian, The Last of Us Remastered, Until Dawn, Uncharted 4, Batman Arkham Knight, Battlefield 1, Black Ops 3 Zombies Chronicle Edition, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, Fallout 4, Final Fantasy 15, Monster Hunter World, Mortal Kombat X, Resident Evil 7, and unfortunately, Persona 5 was originally in the collection, but that was removed last May, so that can no longer be added. Now, this is just kind of just a PSA for anyone who's maybe getting a PlayStation 5 now, now that the availability is much higher. If you're somebody who's had it these past couple of years, you've probably already added all these games anyway. But solid selection if you want to just add them, even if you don't have interest in playing them. It's one of those things you just might as well do because you can always play them later. Yeah, I mean, it sucks that it's being removed, but I always thought the essence of the PlayStation Plus collection was for like the beginning of the console life. So I'm not completely shocked that it was removed because like you said, we already saw Persona 5 being removed. So I feel like it's probably eventually just going to end up being pretty bare bones and then they could just put in PlayStation's mind. I'm pretty sure like, well, we'll just have it on fucking essential and then they draw people into that service as, as opposed to like confusing people with this PlayStation Plus collection. Plus, I could be wrong, but I don't think if we're talking about the kind of back end, the reason why, you know, you guys listen to this show, the back end of it is I don't think that when they pay for these kind of titles, I don't think it's a one time fee. I feel like they pay for it for a select amount of time to be on their services and then they leave the service because games don't get added to these services and stay forever. So at some point, the, the return doesn't make sense for them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they probably like, yeah, like, like. I completely agree with you because that's probably why Persona 5 was the first one to be taken out because Atlas was like, we're going to allow you to have it on the PlayStation Plus collection for, what was it, probably like 18 months they had it on there or whatever they had it for. And so, yeah, I I completely think that's what ended up happening here. And then a lot of those contracts are probably going to wrap up. But I mean, a lot of this is also first party stuff. So it's like kind of in their control. Yeah, it's about half and half. Yeah, it's like like a decent chunk of this is first party, which... Again, they could just throw that on Essential and they can control how long they want that on there, which they'll probably just make that like a part of it. Seeing this here, I wonder I, I just if you had this thought at all, too. When I was, this is just kind of slightly off topic, but when I was watching the second episode of Last of Us and I saw like the Horde, the first thing I thought of was that's a Days Gone Horde, not a Last of Us Horde. You thought that? Yeah, just because in Last of Us, there's never numbers like that. I did think that was odd. I did think that was like I didn't think of the Days Gone Horde. I was thinking War War Z. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's I was a like, good this one is too. not the vibe of the. That's not the vibe of the Last of Us. Is like a hundred fucking infected. Yeah, just just something like at most like twenty yeah, at most exactly. That then that might be a whole building, but they're not even going to be like next yeah. to each other. 
Exactly. But I mean, like that, that plays into the whole new thing with the hive mind and how they're kind of reshaping the world and the world lore of like how all of the infected communicate with each other, which can be interesting. I think we, we just kind of need to see how that plays out more. I yeah, hope yeah. it doesn't get too actiony though. I don't want it to be like, like literally like World War Z. I mean, not if Joel is fucking acting the way he's been acting, he's going to need to step that oh. shit up. Otherwise I'm going to get frustrated. Definitely. My boy out here struggling with two clickers. Come on. Yeah, that's unforgivable. Just sneak up. For real. Come on. But um but but yeah, I mean PlayStation Plus collection, that's sad. PlayStation Plus games. How do you feel about the monthly plus games? The though? monthly I think the monthly games are good. It's one of those things where for us we're not a demographic that really benefits from it a lot because we have every <laughs> single game already on that list. I mean Ali Ali World I bought I didn't play that much of it, but I did enjoy it. So that I have Evil Dead Right, I got the platinum for that. Mafia, me and Joel both already played extensively. And then I think it was kind of similar for both of us where we played through it and then the collectibles like don't track, so I kind of just dropped it. I didn't really care to do the platinum because if you're not going to track it, it's not that important to me. So I I didn't care about that. And then Destiny 2, we both played at launch, but it's a... I kind of think about Destiny 2 like I do Hitman. I mean, at least they rebranded Hitman now, but before they did, like Destiny is a little bit confusing for me to get into where we played it at launch and we played the original campaign and got close to the platinum, but they like remove content and change how some of the trophies are earned. And so... It's never felt like something I've really wanted to hop back into. And even now, I mean, the Beyond Light is cool that it's there, but it's just there so that you can feel dropped off when they release Lightfall. So I feel mixed about it. I mean, it's cool. Destiny is the one that I'm probably like the most whatever, because that one's just straight marketing, not really any value in it. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. Uh, now we're starting to see that Bungie deal kind of mm-hmm. realize itself with the plus. Uh, offerings but um but yeah destiny 2 i think that's a great comparison is hitman before this whole rebrand and simplifying it destiny should honestly do something like that just like call itself destiny or destiny 2 i think destiny itself would be cool but obviously i understand the like, confusion with that but yeah destiny 2 picked a bad month to be a bar to plus honestly because this month is when we're starting to, like we already have dead space that we got to play we got you know hogwarts legacy aka fat hog is what we've been calling it and then we also got um, Atomic Heart coming, and hopefully that's good. And I saw it, too. The same week that we get Atomic Heart, we have Wild Hearts, and we also have Like a Dragon Ishin. So we're we're stacked oh, for the month. Exactly. So I don't need Destiny 2, like, wasting my time trying to rebuild a character and all that shit. They picked a bad month. I will say, just because I, I mentioned it there slightly... Um, small shout out to Wild Hearts. They did announce that all post content will be free. There's no season pass and there's no microtransactions. So just a, a just a small heads up there. And then, yeah, talking about the plus games. I mean, I think with Evil Dead, I think that was a really smart choice because they're doing that to kind. I would imagine they're doing that to coincide with this update. So that's just a good idea. Yeah. Not um, that. What's Wild Hearts? Wild Hearts is going to be the one that is the Monster Hunter kind of competitor. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that comes out the cool. same week as Atomic Hearts. That's what I'm saying. We got a bunch of a bunch of really good games, and then the Wild Hearts announcing that it that the post launch content will be free. I think they announced that today, so that's just like a small thing to add in there too. And then Atomic Heart, 
I watched a 10 minute gameplay overview and I just want to say that what did you think the game looks gorgeous, but I still don't really know. Like they explained what it's about, but I don't really understand the story. Like they explained it, but it, it didn't make sense to me. Not because it was complicated, just because it was like things go wrong and you have to fix them. But I'm like, okay, you know, but it looks great. So I think they're trying to do like a Bioshock. Obviously, there's a lot of Bioshock influence. This, I think hopefully they got a good audio log where you can pick them up and move. But I feel like it's going to be a lot of that kind of storytelling. Hopefully they do have good cutscenes as well and like main characters that are actually playing a part of the interest. What me, one thing I noticed while playing the game or watching the gameplay is um, the world did seem a little, little empty. Interesting. Okay. I, I actually didn't get that vibe, but I... I understand it's an apocalypse, but at points I was like, I was like, I feel like there should be more stuff going on here. Did you watch? Are are we talking about the ten minute one? I think so. Yeah, the one that IGN posted like the beginning of this week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. No, I'm just interested. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought I thought they looked like there was a lot of combat, but they're very big like uh, landscapes. I can see what you're saying there. Yeah. So I wonder how saying, like, a lot of empty, uh, empty space. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want it to be like Borderlands where I'm just like driving around in empty space. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I, I agree that that would be bad. So, but yeah, I mean, I hope that I, I am kind of leaning towards more where you are, where you're like, you're hoping this is good, but like, you're kind of optimistic. I kind of just, I can see it going either way, especially with Callisto recently and all that stuff. Yeah. And a, another small shout out is there was a game called steel seed that i saw got announced mm-hmm. with a trailer that's going to be coming to basically all of the consoles and i didn't kind of put a full blowout of it here in the show script but i just wanted to mention if you want to go watch that trailer the aesthetic is really nice like it's very cyberpunk very mechanical but the world looks really nice i think it's like a third person melee action game but the setting just looked really cool and playing callisto and having like issues with it, I want to say that the way a game looks visually, if it really does look good enough, that does go a long way. Because I thought about even when I'm playing Callisto for the third time, that it just looks so good that it's like, I feel like I'm playing something high quality, even if it's not, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the visuals... the trailer now, the Steel Seed. Yeah, visuals can go a long way. But while you are, if you want to enjoy that, you can enjoy that. And then the small thing I'll kind of cover here next is that so E3 is coming back this year, but we have kind of had it already announced for us that PlayStation and Nintendo both don't plan to be there. But in addition to that, Xbox is also having their own summer showcase. So none of the three console heads are going to be at E3. Uh, Xbox (laughs) is doing their own thing. Nintendo's reason is that they say they don't have enough in the like in the close pipeline to show like they don't want to show anything too early so they don't really want to be there and then playstation hasn't attended since uh 2018 and they haven't announced if they're gonna have a state of play or not they like to keep that stuff really close to vest i feel like when they have state of plays they normally announce it about a week out so we're gonna see with that me and joel have never personally attended an e3 i feel like we probably won't now i i I, it just seems like what's the point if the main three are not going to be there it's yeah. I mean, going to E3 now is it's not what we wanted it to be as we were kids. Like when we would watch E3, like you know, just watch like I re- I remember like E3 being like a big fucking deal. Like for three days straight, you're watching like G4 or IGN streams. 
and you're just like every developer interview they're showing their game they're talking about the game and it was like really it was fun back then but i just kind of feel like the like the model of like entertainment and has like become more like personal creators unless these mega corporations have lost power in like games media so people care really about their personal like you know person like if you fuck with go for bronze you want to listen to what we have to say, but we're not going to be there on grounds in E3, but we're going to be watching the stream or watching the presentations. And then we can just comment right here at our homes and we don't need to actually physically be there. And I feel like a lot of people have taken that approach. So it's kind of taken a little bit of the magic out of E3, what it was. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that that's an excellent analysis of it. But I also think that the way that games are made seems to be a little bit more fluid now. And I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. What I mean by that is we have a lot more games now that'll come out and even before they're out, it's like they'll release a trailer and they'll be like, oh, you know, we're interested in feedback, you know, wink, wink, you want to make the game with us? Like, no, we're not getting fucking paid to do that. So, you know, it used to be they'd make the game, show it off, release it. Now it's we'll get feedback early on. We have early access. There's also a beta. Oh, we're releasing it for full price, but it says beta on the loading screen and we're going to support <laughs> the game for four years and we want to know what you think. So I feel like so- somewhere down the line, that I feel like that must have to do with all these companies also not wanting to show it off that way. Where like, they just yeah. don't want to be and forced also, to, to do it. Yeah, and like I remember like at the end of E3's heyday, like when a game would have like two, three ET- E3s, you're kind of like, all right, like when the fuck is this game going to like come out? Like I saw like a hundred trailers already. That's true. So yeah, the the development cycle of games has also kind of made E3 kind of, excuse me. Oof. Yeah. It's, made, it's, yeah. it's fighting back, you know, sometimes they fight back. But uh, yeah, the way games have, how long they take to get developed kind of r- ruins E3 in that sense too, where it's like, you don't want to see the same game for three or four E3s. Yeah, that's true. I think, yeah, it's nice that we can get announcements year round now, but there's something special about all of it being kind of just in this massive weekend of having like a Christmas in in summer because you're still going to get the games in the early spring and in the fall time anyway. So news can be slow while you're playing everything and then you get all the news in the summer, which was nice. Now it's more so just you just don't really know, like you get surprised by things. But yeah. you're just you're just never aware. Yeah, and I, and I, the one thing I don't like is because uh, PlayStation, I think, definitely has behaved more in this way compared to Nintendo and Microsoft. They are at least kind of always having a state of play or, or direct or Nintendo Direct or summer showcase or something. But I feel like the the provenance of E3 like going down has given PlayStation this like leverage and comfortability of being like oh we don't got to talk about anything that we're doing now because there's not everybody else is doing it this one time so everybody's doing these small things so we're good to like never talk anymore that's true and i feel like ever since 2018 they haven't like announced anything new first party i mean I, we already yeah. knew like spider-man 2 and stuff like that but i mean yeah you're you're definitely right and i think it's just they have that energy of again of of not really worrying because when their games do release you know separate from Forspoken. But separate from that, their games release <laughs> in their second party, though. Yeah, it's second party, right? So, but that their games that are first party are always critically acclaimed and sell really well. So they just don't really have to. They don't feel like they have to do anything because what they're doing is already working. And marketing costs money, so they're just saving money too. That's true, and it takes time from the development cycle too. Making like the E3 demo, 
which I wish they would have made playable. I feel like all those E3 demos, why were that? Why was that not downloadable for us to play at home? Yeah, I don't know. Just yeah, I, I don't know. That's a it's a yeah, interesting. It was point. already made. Yeah, but um, yeah. R.I.P. Three. It, it died and came back, but now I think it should be dead after this. I think it's dead. I think we'll see. We'll see what comes out of it. If we get bigger deep dives into the smaller games that wouldn't make it into the big three kind of their own directs, then I could see it having its own place, right? Maybe it's more of a blowout of A games and indie games versus mm-hmm. being what it normally THC was. So, Nordic yeah, it's just all over E3. Exactly. It could be that. <laughs> it could be Embracer Group. They can all have a full blowout there. Yeah, that'd be fun. But talking about but, some uh, of the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to let you transition. Oh, so yeah. That's talking about some of the fun random announcements. I was really hyped about this when I saw it. I saw that the Crew Motorfest was announced. So this is going to be the third entry in the Crew series. I see Big Dog producer Joe is nodding his head. Me and him played the Crew 2 all the way through <laughs> together and got the Platinum. That was during the dark days, but we had fun with it. And so they announced this next installment. It's going to be taking place in Hawaii and will be based around a one-of-a-kind festival featuring all things fast. Of course, yes, that sounds like Forza Horizon, but it's important to remember that the crew is built by uh, developers that were originally part of Test Drive Unlimited, and I think that's really the blueprint for Forza Horizon. So they still, in my mind, are like the people who pioneered that style of, of racing game. And so... This also makes sense why they're going back to Hawaii. So they've had uh, experience with it before. They did say that this is not going to be a one-to-one recreation like it was the first time around in 2006, mainly because that one-to-one creation created a beautiful island. But when you're on the highway, it would really feel like a highway. So you could be driving for like 10 or 15 minutes with no activities (laughs) or nothing to do. And I really remember that. And it was like, if you had a really fast car, that was cool, but if you didn't and you didn't have fast travel unlocked, that sucked. So I actually like this change. So they talk about how they're going to make sure that it's kind of more just activity dense and they're just going to make it more fun. And if you're wondering why it's called the Crew Motor Fest, not Car Fest, it's because they are going to keep the vehicles that they introduced in the Crew too. So there are still going to be boats and planes and motorcycles. But in addition to that, they said there will be hundreds of cars in the game still. So there will be a really large selection of cars, but you'll also have those other ones to kind of mix it up and keep it different, which I enjoyed and I really liked playing with in the crew too. And so that's really nice. I think this is just like a nice announcement. They announced it so that it's going to be coming this year, which is, again, awesome. And then the flip side just to note is that... Test Drive Solar Crown is supposedly still supposed to come out this year. That's coming from Nacon, and that is a one-to-one recreation of Hong Kong. Now, I honestly feel like we're going to get the crew. I don't even know if we're going to get Test Drive Solar Crown. (laughs) So I'm happy that this announcement came too, because for people that might be on Xbox, this might not be a big deal because you have Horizon. But on PlayStation, we don't really have anything like that. So this... And or test drive, I'm super excited about. Joel, what do you think about this? I'm excited. I'm not the biggest crew fan. I think I've always I've always dabbled, never really fully got invested. Um, obviously, the driving is not as fine tuned as a game like a Gran Turismo, and I wasn't expecting that. But I think it was for me. I thought it was going to at least be Forza Horizon level quality. I hope that the crew Motorfest brings up the 
driving in the field of cars up to like a Forza Horizon level. And then also for me, the biggest thing I've noticed with racing games in general, uh, whether it be the new Need for Speed, uh, whether it be Gran Turismo, is what really brings me into a racing game and makes me stay within the world and stay playing the game and connected to it is just the monetization. So if they can fix them, like not fix, but get the monetization right so that there doesn't need to be a correction. And it's like, you know, out the gate, it feels fair. Everybody feels like they're on an equal playing field. Nobody feels like if they're spending real money, you're getting ahead in the game and you're earning cars, at least multiple ways to earn cars. I think outside of just straight up purchasing them is key to a racing game in my opinion yeah i wonder if they're going to change so uh, as long as yeah i agree with what you're saying as long as the progression is good i think Mm -hmm. if they keep the same monetization i mean there was two currencies in the crew too you could get cars with regular money it's not bad or you could pay like for currencies to buy cars with but i never felt like the progression or the way that you got vehicles was bad in the crew i mean i went all the way through it and platinumed it so i definitely enjoyed it and i didn't like mm-hmm. the way that the crew one felt i thought the crew two mm. was a little bit of an improvement and it was enough where i really enjoyed the way it felt to play it and the progression a lot more than the first and so yeah to what you're saying i just hope they continue to improve it and to refine it and then it's another game that we just have in like the racing pantheon because i mean, racing games are in a in a weird spot so it's i mean if the, if this comes out and test drive comes out and those are good the fact that in a year we would or in two years we'd be having gt7 need for speed a good one the crew and then also a test drive i would be extremely satisfied with that now i have a lot more hopes in this than i do for the test drive game um i love test drive oh, but wow. I, I well I love the te- I love Test Drive Unlimited, but it's this is not made. The people who made Test Drive Unlimited are working on the crew. The people that are making the new Test Drive Unlimited, from what I understand, are the people who make like the some of the rally games or like some of those uh, more like the dirt games. Yeah, I well or WRC. Is, I think WRC. Okay. Exactly. So, like those, uh, those have a more like sim feel to them, but Test Drive Unlimited is really a little bit more arcadey. I guess like it's it's that mix kind of right where Forza Horizon mm-hmm. is where the driving physics are kind of sim, but what you're doing is more arcadey. So, I, I can obviously I could talk about this forever. I'm just really excited. Good to hear that there's a new racing great game. I don't see anything negative with that. They've been supporting the crew too for five years now and so i'm excited for them to have a new one because i always want to hop back into the crew too but i already platinumed it so i don't really feel a reason to so them releasing another one is just is good to me yeah i mean like i i echo everything you're saying honestly another racing game that's great and like you said earlier or like you said earlier uh we don't have a forza horizon comparison on ps3 so i'm totally down for it yeah on ps3 i mean ps5 PS5. I meant PlayStation. My bad. I'm Googling how many copies that uh, the Crew 2 sir, sir, are sold because I'm interested to see if there's like a big fan base for it. Yeah. 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 I'm curious too. But yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a spot that has been open on PlayStation for a long time. We've always said that like Gran Turismo is there, but besides Gran Turismo, PlayStation is really kind of lacking for those other types. Yeah, definitely. It looks like the crew sold a million copies. The first Possibly. one or the second one? 
the second one. The first one I also remember playing and also not liking, so I, I don't think I spent that much time with the first one, but or the second one, but the first one definitely felt very floaty. I don't think you did spend a lot of time with the second one, because the first one, I agree. I tried it a couple of times, and I was like, I can't get into this. And the second one was mm-hmm. very easy to get into and be like, all right, I'm sticking with this. But I will still say I played the whole thing with Joe, and so... It was one of those games that it was one of the only times I experienced one of those kind of multiplayer racing games, actually multiplayer. So we would do all the campaign races together, all of the PvP races together. So that was a lot of fun. And so I'm sure they'll keep the same thing because that's kind of the essence of it. Yeah, so I'm excited for whenever this does come up. Did they give a release date or anything like that? They just said this year. But I'm okay oh. with that as an initial announcement. And I this this is Ubisoft, and Ubisoft did just, when we were talking about them canceling all those games, they said that there was one unannounced large Ubisoft title that's still supposed to come this year. So I'm assuming this is that. That makes sense. Yeah, this definitely probably was that. Because this is a pretty big brand for them. Yeah, it is. And they already announced it with more screenshots, really, than Test Drive Unlimited Silicon, which is why I'm saying I'm also really, like, I don't, have any confidence because that game was announced a couple of years ago and we had one cinematic trailer and they said it's going to be in hong kong and there's like a few screenshots floating around of in-game locations but there's not really even visuals of like what the cars look like and upon this announced like, yeah it's going to come this year also here are a couple of the cars some of the screenshots here's a description of what the game is like it's what i always say i trust the teams that are that are currently in motion is what i trust not something coming out of le- yeah. like left field. Yeah, that, that's probably the smarter way to go about it. I can't lie though, Test Drive Solar Crown, badass name. Oh, Love the name. I think I think the Test Drive Solar Crown in its description sounds like the best racing game or the most exciting one without question. A one-to-one recreation of Hong Kong sounds dope as hell. Test Drive Unlimited mm-hmm. was fire, and if they kept what made those games great. The progression thing you're talking about was one of the best feelings in those games because you can, the way you would get cash and win cars and then obviously go into the dealerships and test drive them. But then you also have the fun multiplayer aspects of like, yo, I just bought a new house. Like, you want to come over, see the house? You can walk around in the garage and you can like get in the cars and drive them. And so if they were to make that game correctly, that is no question the one I'm most excited for. It's just because of who's working on it that I'm like, I don't really have. I'm trying to keep low to no expectation. And they've been silent on it for a little too long. Yeah. But what I was meaning is the name Solar Crown is cool. Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant like the description of the game. Yeah, yeah, I also do agree that the description of the game is fun as well. Like it is like I agree with what everything you said about it being the most exciting because it's very nostalgic test driving all the cars and going to dealerships and all that stuff like that. And it's basically like what I feel like most people play Grand Theft Auto online for, but like more flushed out. Yeah, I agree. And no, no, no I just kind of was carrying the name throughout the rest of it. I mean, the Crew Motor Fest is a shitty name to me. If they just called it the Crew yeah. 3, that would be way better. Because <laughs> even when I saw it, I was like, is this a DLC? And then I went in and it, yeah. it was the next installment. And I was like, okay, so now I know. But, uh, but we can yeah, continue on. We, oh, we, no, go ahead. Yeah, we tackled. I was going to say, we tackled all yeah. we can about the crew. Yeah, we got a lot about it. And of course, if you, uh, <laughs> if anyone's listening and they want to know more about anything specific, any of our opinions or anything in our lives, you can always write us questions 
Uh, and if you want to be on the show, obviously you can hit us up at any of our socials. You know, the, we'll take the questions first. All right, relax. We're not saying you're going to be on the show. You'd have to be vetted first, yeah. but you can hit us up and follow us at all of our socials. Just wanted to say that. But continuing with what we were saying with games not maybe having the best names, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, <laughs> uh, the release date got delayed by six weeks. So EA has Damn. announced that Star Wars Jedi Survivor will now be released on April 28th. The director, Stig S. Moosen, addressed the delay by saying the team is now focusing on final polishing. We are now focused entirely on the final stage, bug fixes to enhance performance, stability, polish, and most importantly, the player experience. So, right, if they're going to delay the game to just make it more polished, I don't think that's a negative. The only thing I will say is that they kind of announced it and then we're going to release it quickly. So I feel like if you are worried about a timeline, why not just wait a little bit longer? It's not really like they showed much of the game anyway. Yeah, I I agree with I agree with that. But a six week delay does not worry me. I will trust them and face value of the fact that it's only polishing. Because like you said, it seemed like I had a quick turnaround anyways in terms of announcement to release day. So only a six months or only a six week delay, and it's pushing it back like a week, like a month and a half. Hopefully, it does come out polished and doesn't have. A lot of bugs. I think every game always is going to have a few bugs, but hopefully not a lot because I do remember the first game coming out and being very, very buggy. That was definitely one of the critiques of it. Yeah, I, and I do not have experience with the first game, but I <clears throat> I did see that and I was surprised. I was going to ask mm-hmm. you about that. So okay, so then yeah, so maybe if just polish is all it needs, then yeah, take your time with it, get it in, get it in working order. Because look, I'll tell you what: if you release that shit and trophies don't work, it's a problem. Oof. Big problem. Shout out Callista Protocol. And Dying Light too, <laughs> which me and you still haven't really played. Because of those problems. I mean, yeah. yeah, if your trophies are not working and, and you get caught up, especially this year where it's like there's a lot of good shit that I, I can bounce off easily and like, all right, well, this is not working properly, then I'll just play this other game because this game's working properly. So and and hopefully we learn we're learning because I felt like last year we had a lot of issues with games being released and not being released fully like functioned a lot of bugs you saw that with saints row the saints row like reboot um obviously you saw that with callisto protocol um i feel like something else no, was like a lot that too. dying light too Dude, it's a problem yeah, there's, there's a lot of it they try to AAA hit... stuff too which are usually supposed to be good yeah they're, tra- like, they're trying to hit dates it feels like just so they can get things out and then i mean hey just like what you're saying we're kind of maybe forgetting it but one of the biggest ones is fucking Warzone and Modern Warfare, right? Buggiest like Call of Duty, yeah. really, that we felt in a while. And it's because they want this, they, they just need to get these things or they want to get them released. But then it's what I was saying earlier with, okay, well, it's not a full release. Now we're going to support and fix and function for years after. And so you you end up getting a poor first impression. And then, okay, I might come back to the game later because you're probably laughing because you already got my 70 bucks, but it sucks. It's just like an annoying... Yeah thing that i don't really know what's the fix around it because people are always going to be pre-ordering and buying all this all these games right off the get-go so who knows but yeah more polish go ahead if you need to get a fix it's no problem yeah hopefully this is only six weeks and the game comes out and it's fantastic agreed so the the next thing right here, unless you have anything else to say about star wars all right. No, I'm good. This next one is going to be a little bit beefy. So, 
I'll try to get through the details as quick as I can here. So there was a Game Informer article detailing some of the stuff about Resident Evil 4 Remake. And so I'm just going to kind of run down the list here. I guess I will give a somewhat of a spoiler warning if you're somebody who's really interested in some of the finer details and you don't want to know it. Of course, this is no like story related things, but if you want to see some of the changes yourself or this is a your first time playing Resident Evil 4 and you don't want to know about anything, you can skip ahead. Maybe we'll put like a timestamp in here for you. But otherwise, I'm just going to go ahead with these now. So some of the changes, right? So there will be side quests. Side quests will be available as blue flyers in environments. And you can pick them up. They'll give you a description of what to do. And you can complete them. And the merchant will give you rewards. The original blue medallion quest to shoot blue medallions around the environment is still present. Ashley can be stole, told to stay close to you or to follow you from a little bit further behind. However, she will always follow you. So in the old game, people who play the original will remember when you have Ashley following you, you could tell her to stay put or follow you. And then you could just dump her into a safe corner and then continue on. That way she doesn't get hurt. They don't didn't want to do that, I guess, this time around. So she's going to follow you no matter what. It's just close or far away. She also does not have a health bar this time around, so you won't have to worry about wasting your resources healing her. However, she can still get hit and downed, and then you have to revive her. If you don't revive her and she gets hit while she's down, she will die. That'll give you a game over. So they also said that there will be more two-person puzzles just kind of in the environment to have her to give her like more stuff to do. And then they said that they're trying to remove as many quick time events as they can to better fit modern gameplay. So I think what I'm gleaming from what they're saying here is that they're still going to have those sections, but it's just you're going to complete it in a different way. One of the examples they gave is that if somebody grabs you, you can use a knife now to get out of the grab instead of just like mashing a button. But it's still said that you have that option. And so it sounds like a lot of the things that they're quote unquote changing, you can toggle to still have them all original if you want, which I like. I thought that was interesting to see. I mean, they even have the fucking original control scheme if you want to play with that so oh hell no. i wouldn't of course but i th- i honestly i think it's really cool if they're giving the option for those things if you're a real diehard and you want to play it really original i think it's cool that the option is there now that's true that is cool i think one more step they could have did was uh doing what halo combat evolved did where you can toggle between graphics oh yeah that would have been cool too that was cool but i i'm so i'm so weird i remember when i was playing it i would toggle it like just randomly just to be like wow that's cool but it, yeah. it, it ends up it ended up me feeling like I was playing like a beta build of a game being like, whoa. Yeah. But that's just me. That's just because I'm a dumbass. That's also because they mapped it to one button. <laughs> so like I could just keep clicking it. But yeah, I liked how simple it was. But yeah, it did, I remember playing it for a little bit too and being like, it does feel like you're like beta, beta and alpha, beta and alpha. I'm like, yeah, don't give me that much power. It feels weird. Exactly. But anyway, Halo sucks. So going back to <laughs> going back to 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 the resident evil changes so in addition to players being able to parry with a knife now there's a caveat that the knives can break over time you can upgrade them at the merchant and you can carry multiple at a time enemies that are on the ground might need to be executed or they might come back so you kind of have to watch around to see that's kind of like a resident evil classic so nothing really that different there Um, There will be a quick weapon swap feature, including a new crossbow. This new crossbow weapon will allow for a stealthy approach. This is something that I was... I don't know how to feel about. Players can... 
equipped up to eight weapons, knives, or explosives and quickly swap between them. The only reason why that sounds weird to me is because isn't resource management in RE4 with the cache is really important. So I'm assuming this is this is meaning like if you have the max case and you Hopefully. can just put that's, what, but they, yeah, that's what they mean. Because if you have eight weapons, I Resident Evil 4 does have a lot of action, but eight weapons still sounds too much. So yeah. we'll see now. And then I'll close out here. They also mentioned that you can craft ammo like you could in RE2 and RE3. So you're not stuck with ammos for weapons that you don't like. And then also the laser that was kind of famous in it. You don't have at the start. You have a regular modern um, aiming. What is it? A reticle? Yes. Reticle. And so you have a re- uh, modern reticle, but a laser can be attached later in the game if you want that original feel. So I know that was a lot. And I played maybe half of Resident Evil 4 originally multiple times, never got all the way through it. I know you have maybe a little bit less experience with it, but how do you feel about the, this kind of like detail breakdown? I like the detail breakdown, like just letting me know what the features are in the game. I feel like with remakes, this is the best way to go about in terms of like marketing and giving the audience that information because most people know what the game is, so there's no need to like bombard us with a bunch of trailers and just kind of let us know exactly what we're getting into. Um, I like the changes. I like the options that they give you in terms of playing it like the original, giving you the option of going back to the QTE events with mashing buttons and all that. So with these remakes, I think the way that they can become the like the best remakes always give you a lot of options in terms of how to interact with them and give you options of being like similar to the original while providing new and fun and like um what's it called service life service uh like fan service? In games you no, no no not fan service but when you play a game and it's like when things Quality are working better it's just a, Quality of life. A lot more, yeah. That's what remakes can do is just add modern day quality of life features. Thank you for helping me. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And so, and we're, you know, me and Joel are going to have this experience here shortly because we're both finishing up with Callisto, but then we got Dead Space. So we'll get a a, a nice change at what is, according to reviews, a good way of doing a remake. Of course, Resident Evil 2 and 3 Mm -hmm. were fantastic, but those weren't games that we were intimate with before. We were real intimate with Dead Space. So, I feel like we will have a lot to to reference. You is know? this the first remake that we're playing? Like that's a game that we I think like, so. know intimately. I think so. Right? Because the first generation that we were like playing everything, everything was PS3 360. Yeah. And so we've gotten a lot so of this remasters. This might be the first remake. Where, but not remake. Where we're not like introducing ourselves yeah. to it. Like RE2, I, we played the remake, but I didn't play original no, RE2. Neither I did. I. did. Yes, yeah, so I think it'll be the first so one. And I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about that. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, I mean, Resident Evil 4 is going to be dope. Th- these games are definitely going to be pitted against each other. So it's interesting how they all play out in terms of like Metacritic scores and sales numbers. I think RE4 is, I think it, RE4 is easily going to beat it in sales, but I don't know if they can, because I feel like if they change enough stuff, like there are a few red flags with the eight weapons and the cachet and all this stuff there. are those, So that's a little, a little iffy. Yeah, I agree. We're just going to have to see how it plays out. And then, I mean, this will definitely be compared to Dead Space, but if it makes this year too, we'll have Silent Hill 2, which that will be something that I I would actually know about because I did go back and play that a couple of years ago, so the original PS2 one. So I think all three of those will be compared. It's cool to have kind of like the three juggernauts of horror, of survival horror, Mm -hmm. all coming out in the same year. But 
definitely will be interested. And I still agree with what you're saying. I think Resident Evil 4 would sell the best. That would be my guess, too. Mm -hmm. I'm interested how Silent Hill 2 will sell, though, because even though it might not be a familiar franchise to some of the newer people, it is one of those storied games of just like everyone's heard about it, even if you haven't played it. Mm -hmm. So I hope that is good as well. Yes, like it is. Yeah, it is fun that we're going to get all three of like basically the top three horror games remade this year, possibly with Silent Hills coming out. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'll see. And then uh, I guess every time there's one of these little side things that I don't want to fully put in, it's nice to just quickly mention them. If you're somebody who likes frictional games and you're looking forward to the new Amnesia game, the one that's like set in a bunker in World War One, they did announce that it got delayed by a little bit, but it still should be coming this year just as a heads up. And then, all right, that sounds nice. If you so follow, it has all the news. The Oracle yeah. himself, Mark. I mean, I, yeah, I got all of it. This is that's why you're here. And so the another one here is is something that I don't know if you guys caught. I actually didn't catch it, even though I watched it. There was a new ad that PlayStation put out called "Live from PS5," and it was a new promo where they basically featured a series of live action news reports reenacting scenes from various games, right? So they had like a live action version of Horizon and Gran Turismo and a couple of others. But some people on the internet kind of, you know, went frame by frame to see what was in it. And people think that they could be teasing Uncharted 5 in there. So among these, there, there's, so there's one live action scene that when I looked at the pictures, I also couldn't really tell what it would be. And so the scene shows a young woman in a cave with a flaming torch. And then in a separate shot, you can see her picking up an ancient artifact and like blowing the dust off of it. And so PlayStation said that this ad showed like their current offering, but also has hints for what could be coming as well. And so, of course, if you're a Naughty Dog fan or you've been playing the Uncharted series, um, Uncharted 4 ended with i guess spoiler alert but i mean that was in 2016 so and i do i was thinking about it now too with spoiler alert we've been talking a lot about the last of a show but y'all just need to keep up with us because if i got to avoid it you gotta like keep we, up with we've them. been dancing i feel like we've been dancing around it yeah, in the right true. way they haven't said anything too I'll i feel like decide. the game is free the game is free to spoil the changes are not yeah yeah that's fair that. and we talked about the changes so we're full of shit, but that's okay. That's if y'all want to yell at us, y'all can yell at us. We appreciate anything you say, you know, good or bad. But back to this. So, yeah, if you played Uncharted 4, right, it ends with showing Nathan Drake and Elena Fisher's daughter, Cassie, kind of discovering relics from their past. And so even though Naughty Dog has said that they're done with Uncharted, that doesn't mean that another studio couldn't helm the next project. And it would make sense that it would follow Cassie and her story. That's just kind of an obvious direction for it to go and so i think a hesitation that some people might have had was like oh well it can't be uncharted without nathan drake lost legacy i thought was really great the problems that i had with lost legacy had nothing to do with the characters i had a criticism of one of the big set pieces being like a copy but that's a whole separate thing basically what i'm saying is i think they can totally do another one with a different character and it would be fine now just to give some kind of extra back-end detail here that it might be being worked on by another studio. So there was somebody who joined Naughty Dog named Christina Marie Drake McBrearty. And she said it was special to join the team to be building teams for not only new titles, but for the legacy of Uncharted. 
And there was also a job listing late last year that said there is a new internal team at Sony that's co-developing a game with Naughty Dog based on a beloved franchise. So, I mean, we've kind of heard these these small rumors and swirling around of an Uncharted, whether it's some kind of like remake or it's a new one or something like that. So it, it was just cool to see. Did you see the... I guess the first question is, did you see this ad? And then the second question is, did you see the pictures that people took out of it i didn't see the ad in in its entirety but i did see the kratos leviathan being in like the middle of london or whatever i thought that was pretty cool yeah that was cool i saw and then there's like large playstation fives in like different cities yeah so i saw that stuff that's cool i think that that's probably an obvious tease to the uh future of whatever uncharted will become with nathan drake's daughter and then I mean, and yeah, because this it was weird because they it's it it makes sense because PlayStation's trying to catch you off guard. Neil Druckmann last week just said we're done with Uncharted, so that makes most people be like, oh well, Uncharted's done. And then now they have this new trailer, and like you said, we've been hearing teases for multiple years that there's another team working on the future on the future of Uncharted. So, um, I think Uncharted can you know can continue without Naughty Dog, like being fully involved they probably will be there on a consulting level maybe or maybe on a story basis but i mean i would like the uncharted series to continue i feel like it's been a long enough break it's almost been it's almost going to be uh what eight years yeah seven years yeah i think i think it's been long enough i agree yeah so i would like i would like uncharted to come back i like uncharted i miss it yeah it's it's fun. fun it's exactly it's one of those things where it's just yeah it's it's always a good time I would be interested to see an outing that is on these consoles that is not from Naughty Dog. The reason why I said it like that is because, of course, you know, longtime fans will remember that Golden Abyss came out and that was developed by Ben's studio. But I feel like it's kind of unfair to judge that on the same level because one of the big things with Uncharted is set pieces in action. And so that's running on not the same level of hardware. So... I'm just curious, in a different studio's hand, what Uncharted would feel like. Because, of course, the comparison or the competition is Tomb Raider at the moment. But I, Tomb Raider, is it feels different. I, I know they get compared, but I really do feel a difference playing both of them. I like both of them, but I definitely like Uncharted more. I mean, yeah, they're two, completely two different genres. Like, you know, Tomb Raider has its open world segments, like leveling up and upgrading. Uncharted is just a straightforward single player game, so I would love to see that come back. Um, but you know, you're talking, you're throwing a little shade at Golden Abyss. I do think it's better than the first Uncharted game, and I thought it, and I think it definitely captured the like essence of Uncharted. Like playing Golden Abyss, I don't think anybody can be like, "Oh, Naughty Dog didn't make this." Like, I don't feel like you would be able to tell, like in a blind test, if you weren't informed of that. You would just be like, "Oh, this is a Vita version of Uncharted." but not necessarily that it didn't come from Naughty Dog. I feel like it definitely captured the spirit. So I think Uncharted can be handled by other studios, especially first-party studios, which are all they're all pretty relatively really talented. I think they're all great at storytelling. Obviously, they follow Naughty Dog's lead, but I think some one thing that all the first-party studios really hammer down is telling a story. I think that's... I th- First of all, I think that's true. I think that we come at different angles of... We're both big fans of the franchise. I put a lot of importance on like the quality of the set pieces. That's like how I identify each Uncharted mm-hmm. game. And that's why with Lost Legacy, even though I thought it was great, 
I have like a chip on my shoulder about it just because I think the biggest set piece in it is just taken from Uncharted 2. So with Golden Abyss, you're, it definitely had the essence 100% down, but I don't remember any big set pieces from it. And I would imagine that that's just because it was on a portable hardware. And so that's not yeah, really a reflection yeah. of the studio. I agree. All the first party studios are good. I'd just be curious to see what we would have on a PlayStation 5 with Uncharted. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think about the future of Uncharted? Do you, I know you mentioned earlier when I asked you, so you think it's time for it to come back? And then also, do you like the direction of it with being with Nathan Drake's daughter? Well, the direction of it being with Nathan Drake's daughter, I think is like 100%. Possibly. Possibly, sure. Yeah. Possibly. I, first of all, I would say 100% good. That It just makes the most sense to me. I don't really feel like we need to have any kind of prequel or really for it to follow any other character. And so I'm sure that it would be, I'm sure it would be cool playing as Nathan Drake's daughter. But again, I don't think it would. I'm again, I'm more so just interested in like them having the ability to tell a globe trotting kind of action adventure where you have crazy set pieces. Cause the story is not, I, the story, I mean, if it's written great, you know, that's great, but I'm not expecting much out of it other than like, there's some treasure I need to find and we'll define why we need to find it. And then we're going to go to those places. I think the things I would be most curious about is if they try to go a more realistic side like four or if they try to do something crazy like one through three towards like the ending of the game. But I think it's been long enough and I like that style of game. So I'm happy with it if they make another one. And it's yeah. Here's the best way of saying it. I think I would enjoy it. And the reason why I would enjoy it is because I don't think it's a series that you can really kill by making too many of them. I don't think there's ever going to be it's a like mission impossible. Exactly. I don't think there's ever going to be a time where doing some crazy car chase or doing a crazy fight in like something underwater or a plane battle. Those kind of crazy things are never going to be not exciting. So I think it's fine. I only don't like it when, when games have too many sequels, when I feel like it's going to ruin the story retroactively or like they don't have anything to tell. Uncharted is a little different mm-hmm. for me where I'm like, Nathan Drake is wrapped really nicely. And then I don't know Cassie yet. So then they can kind of do whatever they want with her, which is another reason why it's exciting. It's like you have a completely blank slate. You can do whatever you want and it would make sense. And I feel like that would help a new studio taking over it because they don't have to, they don't have to, recreate nathan drake they get to do their own thing with possibly cassie drake and i think obviously i think nathan drake is still going to be in the game but he's probably going to fall more to like a sully role so it's not like we're going to completely lose him too so yeah who knows i I think that a future of uncharted i think what is is bright i think it can definitely come back in a big way or unless this is uh, another live service game and you play as cassie but it's not single player Jesus. You know what I was also thinking of, too? I wonder if they would be hesitant, because we've heard about this game being rumored for years. I wonder if they're hesitant of releasing this or having two conflicting or two different faces of Uncharted with the new movies. Maybe. And, like, distracting people. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they definitely like that synergy. That's what, like, every company is going for. So, yeah, I wonder if they would... uh, I wonder if... Sony wants to do like I wonder if the next Uncharted game has, still has Nathan Drake in it, and you play as Nathan Drake, and it might be like a Miles Morales 
but like apparently what, what spider-man 2 seems to be like where you're going to be playing as both i can see that happening for the new uncharted yeah i could see that too i, I really just i'm cool with them doing that and i don't really have any expectations good or bad mm-hmm. so yeah i just need to see the trailer and see if they can catch the essence in the trailer they can they get a good trailer going start playing that classic uncharted music and then i just also want to know who's making it that's also just interesting yeah to me i mean that's what's important because beforehand it just being naughty dog you kind of they anything they they are making i'm always gonna think is gonna be good what kind of sight unseen mm-hmm. so and then talking a little bit about everything needing to be connected i guess just two more little small things we were talking about tomb raider uh, there was they were talking about how they want to have Tomb Raider. They want to do a show and movies with it to make that like a whole Marvel situation. And then also, I don't know if you saw this, but you know James Gunn is doing his kind of like big blowout of all things DC Universe, and he was talking about how he wants the movies and the shows and the games to all kind of go together and like the like so the actor who would be playing this character. He wants that same actor playing that character in all of those. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work for the games. Games, the games yeah. require a lot of dialogue. And also, <laughs> so I don't know. Games are, it takes so long to make. I feel like you can't shackle them that way. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's a side note, but uh, that's what's killing Marvel, too, yeah. I think, is the, is the trying to have everything tied together and having it timed right. I think, I think we're learning from Marvel that TV shows and movies should be separate. Or... There should be a very finite amount of TV shows. Maybe what James Gunn did say, though, I did agree with what he said with two HBO shows max. I think that that's probably the like the perfect barometer. Two seasons of television a year. You can have your three to four movies that are, you know, that, you know, tell the main story. And then the, you put the shows in, in between sections that like fill out the world. But also not making the shows mandatory, I think, would also help out. But then it takes away from the from the from the show, so it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I do think the two shows per max that James Gunn was saying was is the right approach because Marvel, like you said, is over flooded. Same things happen with Star Wars. Uh, I hope that doesn't affect the games in a negative way, though. Too with I don't want them to be like narratively confined to this DCEU now. I think that's kind of upsetting a little bit to hear, actually. I didn't know the games would be tied to that. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to find out. I mean, now it's Suicide Squad and all that stuff we saw recently. We're just going to have to find Not that that's connected, but just we're going to see where that kind of all ends up. But closing out, uh, unless you had anything more to say about Uncharted or those other topics. No, 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 I'm good. You can close on so, the, close it out. Closing out here, I guess we'll go with the last one, which is this is a lot of hearsay, right? But we're still going to report it. And I know that this is probably the one that this is one of the ones that everyone would be excited for is uh, the Insomniac Wolverine game uh, is reportedly targeting a mature rating. So Giant Bomb reporter Jeff Grubbs said that they're kind of going for a hard R style, right? So that would mean a mature rating. The game is supposed to take place before Wolverine joins the X-Men. And then the other surprise he heard is that the release window they're trying to hit is fall 2024. He said, of course, it could go into Mm. 25 also. But he was saying that, you know, if there's any studio that he could see hitting that date, it would be Insomniac. But that would be pretty crazy for them to do Spider-Man 2 fall 23 and then release Wolverine fall 24. Now, it is important to note that they are one of like the most efficient studios and they have multiple teams and the people who are heading Wolverine are the people who headed Miles Morales. So they do have two, you know, 
excellent quality teams working at the same time. Yeah, I mean, just first of all, kudos to Insomniac. Like, just like you were saying earlier, just super efficient. They're project managers. They're fucking producers. Those people need a super shout out for just keeping everything streamlined. It seems like they don't miss a beat in terms of game release. Like, you don't go you don't go five years without getting an insomniac release like they are out every two to three years it's always quality and i think they've been getting better recently like with obviously with spider-man the ip it brings it up to they're on a higher stage just because the ip alone but the game is like spider-man is probably their best game and miles morales i think is better and that's also like for me personally i think miles morales is better but spider-man i know is probably the consensus their best game the ratchet and clank game um a crack and not cracking time is it cra- rift apart rift apart crack, rift apart cracking time is another ratchet game and just just so you know because i guess that this is a visual thing me raising my eyebrows was not about spider-man i just think I, to me i like resistance i know most. resistance yeah. i know, I know. We're, we're talking about the normies out there you know we're talking about people with half a brain not fucking people who played resistance who does you're just that, talking you know? about not you a lot of people played resistance but you can continue okay so many people played it that they didn't want to make it anymore that's crazy I mean, <laughs> I'm just fucking with it. I'm just giving you shit, but um, no, no, nothing else. I was just saying, Insomniac's fucking just fantastic. I love having them within the first party officially now, and they're just, you know, you can always count on a solid release from them every two to three years. But, and hopefully we do get that Resistance remake for Mark. Well, I don't want to, I don't really want a remake. I just, it'd be cool to have another one. Well, you know that you know, they have to they have to do the remake I first know. to gauge interest, and then they build it. Like, um, wouldn't it be cool? They did what they did with Sly. You play all three, then you get the trailer. And then That'd it's still gone. I mean, it would be spoiled. It's, I mean, Sly's gone for ten years, though. Like we had that. Yeah, but we got the, dude, four, Sly four, four, so you might get a resistance. Four, four was supposed to have a five. Right, ended with like being yeah, like, "Yeah, we're you're gonna get another one," and then we didn't. Yeah, but then they realized nobody likes Sly Cooper except me and you. Yeah, that's true. So then they were like, oh. I think no, with Sly Cooper, I totally understand that. With Resistance, I feel like they just didn't understand. I feel like they didn't understand what they had on a multiplayer level. Like the single player I love, of course, right? Resistance 1, 2, 3 is actually probably my least favorite one. But I think that they're all excellent single player games, but I think they're, they were extremely slept on from a multiplayer standpoint. They have some of the most interesting weapons. They had some great map designs. They had some of the most players and like fun lobbies at the time. So I feel like PlayStation making a resistance multiplayer game would be smart and they don't have a shooter for it and it is unique. So I feel like that's what I would want. Or if they did have one that was single player, I would like it to have multiplayer for sure. I don't actually hate the idea of like a like a free to play like resistance. So weapons are fucking games. sick, dude. Having the auger and being like you yeah. put up a shield and then you can shoot through that and shoot through walls and the bullseye where you tag somebody, bullets follow them. Like all of the weapons were all really. I mean, it's the studio that made Ratchet and Clank, right? So I guess I don't really need to say more than that. That kind of weapon creativity just carrying over into a multiplayer game was just really fun. And of course, it's a cool alternate history aesthetic where you have different parts of Europe and America just kind of formed if this alien breed came in. Now I'm just talking about resistance, but I just think it's good shit. That's all. I think it is good shit. And I think it, I think honestly a a remake or remaster, whatever, whichever route they choose to go 
will help bolster it because it's going to be it's going to bring it back to the conscious because there's a lot of people like you that did play it or speaking on it and wanting it to come back. And then there's going to be a lot of people like me who missed out on it or people who weren't even a part of the PlayStation 3 era. A lot of games are like locked off there. Like I think the two main ones are obviously the Resistance Trilogy and the two infamous games. So honestly, getting those back out there like can build up some hype for it and then hopefully we can maybe get a new multiplayer game out of them. But uh, I don't think Insomniac be working on that because they're going to be busy with these Marvel games yeah, I don't and think the so cash either. that they're bringing in. I agree. But uh, what do you think about the Wolverine game targeting an M, uh, like an M rating? I mean, I, that's what I hoped. I feel like this game would have been whack as fuck if it was teen and needs to be like rated M. So yeah, I agree. I don't. This Wolverine one is a weird one where I know when everyone else saw it, they kind of like lost their shit. I was like, that's cool, but my initial thought was being like damn i don't want insomniac to just be the marvel studio but i think that it being m of course makes sense i just i can't picture an insomniac wolverine game in my mind which is why i'm just very curious to see what it looks like like even though they're saying m the i'm like okay so spider-man combat but blood and executions but that might not be what it is either you know what i mean so i have a hard time thinking what that's going to be like or even what the subject matter is going to be because if they have him when wolverine is a more of like when he's a soldier right and they have it in like a military setting then that would be crazy m-rated but they if they have him in more of a when he's like lone wolf just in like the forest you know being a lumberjack doing like i'm interested to know what segment of wolverine's life we're getting because what segment we're getting well, it says before he joins X-Men. So, well, yeah, but remember Wolverine is like old as shit. Cause he doesn't age after a certain period of time. Oh, so it'd be dope. We get like a 1900s. Yeah. Cause he like, was Wolverine he, like early. He was in wars. Cause his, yeah, he did. He didn't age. Yeah. Cause he, he had the, he had the bone before it was covered in adamantium, but even before he had it covered mm-hmm. in adamantium, he couldn't age. Like he would, heal but he couldn't age the whole thing with logan is that that's that was after he got that taken like that ability to heal out of his body so he healed slower but he also aged so that's what i'm thinking where i'm like they have almost they have a huge timeline of what they want to do with Mm -hmm. that because he technically didn't age for a certain period of time yeah I mean, I, I'm I'm interested to see what this is. I know that you're disappointed with Insomniac being the Marvel studio, but if there was one first party studio, I think Insomniac is the choice just because how efficient they are that they'll probably be able to get another game outside of this Marvel hullabaloo. Yeah, I agree. So, Plus, they're good games. So if they're good games, I don't care. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's what's the most important thing. But I mean, yeah, the, I, you really now. Now I'm thinking. I didn't know. I forgot about that whole that Wolverine is like a thousand years old. That, yeah. So they can really go a lot of places with that. This. Was that's the that's the thing where when I say like okay with Insomniac, yeah, maybe I didn't want them to be Marvel, but I, Wolverine, I'm excited for. I mean, I love Wolverine. It's just I really didn't know what to think because Wolverine could be so many different things, right? Like you think of Peter Parker, and like of course you're going to be in the city, and you're going to have you're going to there's like mm-hmm. very touchstone points that you're going to get every time you visit a peter parker story wolverine there's so many different ways you can do that so yeah the like you were mentioning with the timeline wolverine being a thousand years old they kind of have the freedom to really play around with what part of wolverine's life that they're tied to so i'm i'm excited for this game i 
I hope the combat isn't uh, like Spider-Man. I honestly kind of hope it's a little bit like Mad Max where it had the weightiness behind it. I know that Mad Max combat was kind of like dumbed down Arkham Knight com- or Arkham combat in general. But uh, I did like the weightiness of Mad Max, and I feel like Wolverine would benefit to being like a more weightier character. And just so you know, I pulled it up just so we have the official. So Wolverine was born in 1832. So that's right. that was that Damn. was when he oh was boy, born, and any time after that, we could have a Wolverine in the Civil War. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, because I remember that from the Wolverine movie back in 2012 mm-hmm. that they show him in different segments because they show him and of course his brother Sabretooth. So they show them like throughout those eras. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, it would be very fun. I think they're going to play it safe. Like you were mentioning that it's going to be kind of modern-ish. Like I would say like 80s at the earliest and then like 2000s at the latest, hopefully. But um, yeah, I mean, Insomniac's great. This is probably going to be great, but we're just kind of waiting to see more about it. Obviously, they're going to be hush-hush about this until they get Spider-Man 2 out the gate, but... At least we know exactly what's coming up next for them. I'm excited to see what they do after these two games. I would say I would also love if they did, you know, traditional timeline, whatever. Maybe it's modern, but like, oh, this chapter, you're in the 40s or like this chapter in the 30s. I mean, that would be sick and they can do that. That'd be like that Spider-Man game like uh, that was like multiverses or edge of dimensions where you played all the different Spider-Man and their variants. But like his like his different storylines, that'd be fucking awesome. But good. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. That they would can, be they nice. They can have it where he's like trapped. And like Professor X is like trying to meet him. Like the beginning of the game is like the ending of the game. And you meet Professor X, and then Professor X is traveling through his mind, and then you just like go into all these like things in his life, and then you understand who Wolverine is. And then at the end of the game he joins the X-Men, and then that's the sequ- and then that's the sequel. That sounds right good. Right there. Just Boom. fucking did it for you, Insomniac. Hired me. Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm pretty satisfied with all that. There was actually a lot more news this week than I thought there would be. So I'm glad, glad about that. Yeah. And of course, as we were talking, there's a lot of games to be playing currently, and that will be coming out here shortly. Yeah, I'm excited to get into the Dead Space remake. Keep on the Persona grind. Obviously, with the backbone you bought me, this is really going to help out with playing Persona because I can just chill at nighttime and just get some shit done but um but yeah there's, there's a lot of good shit coming out you know fat hog coming out next friday i think it's and then the seventh if you pre-order it if it gets good reviews of the reads drop a little earlier i might pre-order that shit yeah that'd be nice i mean there's no reason not to if the reviews come out and they're solid yeah but i think that's all we have for you oh, this i have one more thing oh. Sorry. Mark has one more thing. One more thing. I don't know how I forgot this. This is going way back in time here. But when I was talking about the crew, I forgot to mention they do have an insider program if you want to sign up for the beta. And I did do that. They're going to do a couple of waves throughout the year. But you can go to their website to sign up for that. Uh, Just, yeah, making sure I add that in there if you're interested. So you lied earlier in the show. So you are actually a beta. Well, I didn't lie. I just didn't say it. And that was <laughs> not about Sony. That was about the crew. But still, I mean, you're you're a beta. You're either a beta or you're an alpha. You're not. You don't pick and choose, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> but um, that's that's all we have for you this week, Mark. Do you have any other pressing news? What no, we can we can close audience? on. We could close on me being an alpha or a beta, depending on the day. Yeah, you tell us in the comments whether you think Mark is an alpha or a beta. Tell us something. 
You can, of course, find us basically everywhere. You can find us on Instagram. We've got a beautiful link tree. You can follow us on Twitch. You can go to our Discord. You can go to our Twitter. You can follow us all over the place, or you can just tell us whatever you want to. You know, dear diary, write your paragraph, do whatever. You can do whatever you want. Thanks for listening. The Go for Bronze podcast is a production of Go for Bronze Media, LLC. Hit us up on Twitter at Go for Bronze Pod, Instagram, Go for Bronze Pod. stolen my dreams. That's right, we have. You can check us out on Twitch at Go for Bronze Pod. Also, our YouTube channel at Go for Bronze. This is the big dog. Until next time.